Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to episode 10 of Hobby of a Lifestyle. This week, I'm joined by the super talented Jules Stewart, all the way from San Diego. Jules is by far one of the nicest people I've ever met, and her passion for her art is inspiring. Let's get into the interview and find out more about her journey. Good morning, Jules. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know it's eight o'clock in the morning where you are at the moment. So thank you so much. Honor for me. Thank you. No. So Jules, welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast where we explore hobbies and how that hobbies became a passion or how it's affected life decisions, career choices. Can you just tell listeners what is your hobby slash profession? Yeah, I'm a professional drummer now, which is still weird to say. It's always been something I did for fun. Fantastic. Professional drummer. That sounds unbelievable. And just for listeners, Jules has just cracked open a beer at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm only joking. It was water. It was water. I was hoping it was going to be a beer. <laughs> Jules, how old were you when you started playing the drums, when you picked up a, a drumstick? I was probably eight or so. Yeah. Eight years old. Um, yeah. Was, was there an influence from the family that that drove you to picking up the drumsticks? Definitely. My last name's Stuart, a good Scottish last name, and we were very into our Scottish heritage. So okay. um, my, my parents, basically all the kids picked a Scottish activity to do. I don't remember picking dancing, but that's what I did when I was really young. And I got to about eight and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I think I'd rather do that. And I pointed to the pipe band and they have drummers. And I was like, that makes a lot of noise and that looks really fun. <laughs> So they let me sign up for uh, to get lessons with a teacher for Scottish snare. And then from there, I did that for a few years. Loved that. I still have my snare drum that I played as a kid. It's really? down actually in my garage right now. But wow. um, loved that. Super fun. And then kind of realized there were more drums to be played. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So would you say that at eight years old, you've picked up a drumstick because you've looked at something that makes a lot of noise. Did you just fall in love with the drums instantly? I did, yeah. I loved it. And I think um, there's a lot of connections between drumming and math or like a really structured mindset just because it is so, um, it, it is really like structured and, and mathematical, like the way you're dividing up beats into, into pieces and um, coordinating between limbs and all that stuff. And I think that's always kind of been how my mind worked. Wow. And Scottish snare drumming is really rudimentary too. It's like very regimented and yeah, and course. kind of strict in the way because you're playing as a group. It's like a yeah. drum line, you know? So <clears throat> uh, I loved that. I loved everything about it. I loved how much noise it made. I loved practicing on a, on a practice pad even. It wasn't even just about the noise. It's yeah. just, it was like a, there's a new challenge all the time with playing an instrument or learning a new skill in general. But drumming, it, it just never ends. There's always somewhere to go and something to learn. So I think I loved everything about it and the process of learning it just as much as I loved playing. That's amazing. And, and so are you saying, Jules, that parents should teach all kids to play the drums because it's going to benefit their maths? 
Absolutely. The louder, the better for parents. I I know, that's what they always say to me. I, every, if every, every parent that I know, I'm like, I'm going to buy your kid a drum set. And they're like, do and die. You don't, don't you dare do that. Well, but, I, as I must admit, my daughter has, my eldest daughter's got a drum set. And I actually did buy friends. I bought their son a drum set and it didn't go down too well. No, I understand that that is not a popular move. It wasn't a popular move, but it was a funny move. And that yeah. little boy loved the drums. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, my, my parents could hardly complain about the noise because my dad did and still does play bagpipes. And those my are louder. They uh, much louder. Play. Yeah. Much louder. And is he a good bagpipe player? He's great. That's yeah. Well, so I'm lucky. I didn't know how bad people could be. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, he's a very good player. Oh, fantastic. So at eight years old, you've started playing the drums. Was there any of the hobbies that you, you pursued when you were younger? Yeah, I played soccer and that's that's uh, how I went to college and did all all that stuff. So soccer was a huge deal in my life. Football, I guess there. Football, but, yeah, yes, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll call it soccer. Yeah, sure. Um, so soccer was a big deal. So you're doing soccer and you must have been a good player of soccer took you to college. I was reasonably good, but <clears throat> I, um, I'm a goalkeeper and okay. I'm not standing right now, but I'm 5'5", five five, so I'm right. not, not very tall. And uh, a lot of the players that, that played in Division One, um, you know, played on Division One teams and were goalkeepers are 5'10", 5'11", yeah. 6'0", you know, very tall, That's much nice. taller than me. And so I had a big heart and I was decently athletic and I tried really hard and um, made it onto a division one team kind of by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) But so did, did soccer take you on a scholarship to college as well? I had an academic scholarship, so I kind of got to um, take that out of the equation, which was nice because I was not that good. You know, I wasn't good enough to get full... I had offers from smaller schools um, yeah. to like soccer scholarships from smaller schools, but right. it just, I really had my heart set on playing division one. And that seemed like the, my crowning achievement. I kind of knew at that point, like I'm way too short to like play on the national team or yeah. any of professional soccer is probably not in the cards for me. Um, but I kind of thought if I could play division one, I, I would feel really happy with where soccer has taken me. So I got in touch with a bunch of Division One teams and um, was looking at a few, but I loved the coaching staff at Arizona State, and they um, I, they they cared about academics. So me bringing a strong academic mindset to the team and having a scholarship, I think, was helpful. You know, for yeah. them to boost boost their their feeling that the team was good academically. Yeah, no, but that's I, absolutely fantastic. So you playing soccer and. I know you're maybe downplaying that and saying you're average, but you still played Division One, and you it still took you places, fantastic places as you as a youngster. How did you weigh up the training with soccer and the drum playing? Yeah, I mean, drumming was always just like such a fun thing, and it was never it was always such a joy to play, even if I was working on something difficult or trying to learn something new that was maybe out of my reach a little bit. It was always yeah fun so I always spent a lot of time drumming and it felt um it felt good to do that it was never it was never a burden and soccer soccer is exhausting there's something about women's soccer too that that coaches primarily men that are coaching are used to coaching men and there's a level of athleticism in men especially the older you get that is not there in most in the average woman so 
um, I think male coaches push female players really hard physically to try yeah. and develop their athleticism. And it's just something I think it's probably subconscious, but I just, I don't know a single male soccer player that ever had like two, three and a half hour practices a day at college. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wild. Yeah, soccer is exhausting and playing at a high level is exhausting and playing drums is something you could do when you came home from soccer. So it's just kind of it like fit nicely. You're sitting. I was just going to say, yeah, so it's drumming a, a bit of an escapism from the soccer. Yeah, sure. When they fit just, together really nicely. Yeah. And I, 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 the older I get, the more I kind of um, appreciate how you can love doing multiple things and, you know, you can work and, and do, do whatever you need to do in a day and look forward to the other portions of your day and not value them any less. You know, yeah. I, I think all the pieces of life can fit nicely together. And it did as a kid, like playing soccer and then yeah, playing drums. Just kind and of what did you study at college? Uh, I bounced around a little, but I ended up double majoring in math and kinesiology. So basically human movement. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And you, as you said, you, you feel like the drumming really helped you with the maths. I think they just naturally go together. It's like very, that one mindset that like everything has to have an answer and a place and um, can be, numbers can be worked with and, and divided in different ways. I think that's all, it's all one mindset. It's so interesting because I'm terrible at maths and I'm terrible <laughs> at playing the drums. So maybe I need to learn how to play the drums. Um, uh, genuinely, I'm going to, as soon as we're finished with this podcast, I'm getting straight on the phone to my mom and saying, mom, why didn't you get me to do the drums as a kid? It would have helped me I, with my maths. I could have been a math superstar. Yeah. 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 I, I know. Maybe it's, a maths, maybe it's a maths tutor if the drumming goes south. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I don't know if we're exploring your hobby or just exploring if I need to do better at maths now. That's fine. It's, we can yeah. we can do this as a therapy session. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely like. turned into that. Yeah, maths, <laughs> maths was just not a strong point. It still isn't. So growing up, you've you obviously you're into your soccer, you're into into drumming. Did you play in band at school? Yeah, I did. And I played, I had like a, my first band was called We Met Yesterday. It was with all my friends and we called ourselves that because it always sounded that way. We were not, not that great. And um, <laughs> we had so much fun and I still, I am still in touch with almost all of those girls. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it was super fun. Are they and, any better now? Oh, everyone is an excellent musician. Right, okay. <laughs> it was not... <laughs> It was just the fact that we had too much fun, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But uh, yeah, we we just played like, where do you play as a high schooler? We played like talent shows and that yeah, kind of, of stuff. And it, it was super fun. We had such a good time. What point in either high school, college, what point in your life did you think, okay, I've got my degree, I've got my majors, but Drummond's what I want to do is profession. Honestly, it, it's been such an interesting process to get here. I think I just because of like the culture I grew up in and my family and kind of expectations, um, I never thought of drumming as a viable career. It's like a dream, you know, yeah. like that's a, oh yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to tour the world and be a rock star. That's like such a dream. Okay. And um I just never considered it a serious possibility. And I just was following a different path academically and okay. that it's one that leads here and then you go on, get more schooling and then you get a job. And it just kind of seems like the path is laid out. So I went, I, uh, when I moved to San Diego, I, I 
started my doctorate in physical therapy and started going to school for that. And I was about, honestly, probably about a year in and I wasn't playing drums in a band or anything. Yeah. I had just moved. I sold my drum set that I'd been toting around with me forever. And uh, about a year into school, I was like, what am I doing? I'm going crazy. I need to play drums. And at that point, it was like, I, I don't really care if I get to play in a band. I just want to have a drum set and be yeah. able to play. So got a drum set. Actually, my wife surprised me with one when I came home one day and there was a drum set that her, she has a client that the daughter wasn't using the drum set anymore. And so I had this yeah, drum set in the garage and I put mutes on it and was trying to be respectful to my neighbors and was playing. And after about a year of that, I was like, well, it'd be fun to join a band again. Yeah. So I started looking and it was just like, I joined a band and really quickly wanted to do more with it. And joined a couple of other bands and started gigging more. And it kind of was like one thing led to another and I just leaned into where the doors opened up. And I kind of zoomed back out. And about the time I was graduating from my doctorate program, I, I was like, oh, I'm playing actually kind of a lot. Yeah. But it still didn't occur to me that I could do that as a profession. So I got a job and started working and kind of as the years went on i was like oh yeah i'm gigging actually like most days of most weekends and i'm playing with like a dozen bands and artists and doing all yeah. this stuff and eventually i'm like oh opportunity to go on tour yeah i'll take a take some time off work and did that and I zoomed out and I kind of was like, what am I doing? I'm working full time as a drummer. And this is the life I always wanted to live. You know, like, like, this is a dream. This yeah. isn't even, this wasn't even on my radar as something that I thought would be possible. And it just kind of happened. It just, I, I just pursued it because I loved it. And I, I looked and I was like, I am doing what I always wanted to do. It, it's time to like make a make serious moves towards actually doing this as a career. Yeah. So I'm the uh, the shutdown with COVID has been a really interesting thing because I was planning on leaving my job. Okay. That I I'm still uh, I'm a researcher. I work I was, as a. Do they know? Do they know that you're about to leave? Or is this the first time oh, they're hearing it? <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> they just, know I'm just making sure they're not going to hear the podcast and go. <laughs> Jules is leaving. I had no idea. She <laughs> plays the drums. What? I'm actually going to submit the podcast as my notice that I'm oh, leaving. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You heard it here first. Elegant. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was planning on leaving and I was going to put in my notice a, a week before the, the shutdown happened. Right. And, or a week after, I guess. Sorry. And the shutdown happens and I was like, oh, well, maybe there's going to be no live music right now. So okay. maybe I should hang on to this job. But long story short, I'm, um, my contract is running its course and I'm kind of thinking I won't renew it and just kind of make, take, take the plunge and be done with work in, uh, in about a month. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. And just totally pursued the, the drumming as a profession. Yeah. That is yeah. absolutely incredible, isn't it? And the way you talk about it, I don't get the impression that you will feel like your hobby, which is drumming, when it becomes a profession, I don't get, I don't feel that from you that 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 will be that will affect your enthusiasm for drumming. I feel like it's that like you just genuinely embrace that and then live the dream. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about drumming, and I think music and art in general, is 
the danger is commodifying it in a way that you don't appreciate, you know? And I think I've heard that from a lot of people that it, oh, as soon as it becomes a profession, then you kind of stop enjoying it. And I, I have gone through phases with drumming where I got myself involved in projects that I wasn't super passionate about or were fun for a while and then kind of ran their course. And there was something that I wanted to change about it. So for me, I think if, if I'm careful about what I get involved in, in as careful as you can be, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be that selective, you know, but if I, I I think you're pretty good. (laughs) If I can continue to pursue the things and be involved in the things that really, you know, make me happy and make me feel like that's the kind of art I want to express. I can't, I, it just doesn't feel like work to me. Even when I'm doing 35 or 40 hours a week of it, it doesn't feel like work. It feels great. You know, it feels like it's funny you should say that because we had uh, Mickey Benedetti on. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was on a podcast uh, two episodes ago or three episodes ago. And he was saying the same thing. It's not like waking up for work. He says, I'm, I just go to the pool. I'm just going diving. I never say I'm getting up and going to work. And I suppose that's the position you're in now as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been, I mean, for years I've been playing many, many, many hours a week and um, it has never felt like I have never described it that way. I've never even felt compelled to describe it that way. Sometimes there are like long four hour gigs that I'm tired by the time the gig starts. And I'm like, Oh, I got to get my brain in this. Cause that sometimes those things that's yeah, there are, there are parts of anything that are kind of draining and of course, yeah, tricky to get through. But in the end, I, I have never played a gig that I wasn't happy to be at and wasn't just like, so I felt so lucky every yeah. gig I've ever played. And that's like, the life of a backing musician is really interesting. You can be one day playing a huge stage with, you know, pro lighting and this whole, the whole nine yards is yeah, beautiful setup. And then the next day you're playing like, a little duet gig for shoppers at a mall and they're all fun you know like they all have just this beautiful aspect to them that you can sink into and enjoy and that's i've never never played a gig that i was like i don't want to be here that's amazing (laughs) isn't it so what was it like when you got asked to go on your first tour i mean a dream and it and the um singer songwriter that i went with is a good friend of mine okay and we went as a duo so basically just the two of us in a car with all our gear driving up the west coast we went to texas um and then so to austin which is a great city for music and then back again stopping some places along the way and then all the way up the west coast to seattle and back down. Wow. and it was a blast it felt like a dream to get to like your job for the day is yeah. wake up source some good coffee maybe you know like get some breakfast or eat some breakfast and yeah. then the road with your your goal in mind is i'm gonna go play a gig tonight and it's somewhere i've never been it's yeah. a venue i've never played at it's a whole different scenario that i get to figure out as i get there and that to me is like oh that's so great it's <laughs> getting paid for getting paid for traveling and doing what you love is just a fantastic thing to be able to do and not many people get that opportunity in life do they so that is amazing yeah it's great i love it and it, yeah i had such a good time on that tour and that was I had some some ideas. A lot of people had ideas of going on tour this summer, um, right. and obviously none of that's happening. But yeah, of course, a little disappointed about that. Um, but I, I totally get it, and I want to get through this and get on the other side of it. Oh uh, yeah, the whole world's the whole world doesn't really know what it's doing at the moment, unfortunately. And it's just 
just a case of trying to ride it out now, isn't it? And see if we can yeah. get get past it and get to a point where it's safe for people to get back to some sort of normality or the new norm. Yeah, it's interesting to see people's creativity kind of coming into play with sorting this out. So drive-in concerts and stuff like yeah. that. That's accessible for big bands that have a big draw and that would make sense. Um, so that's cool to see. I love that. And a lot of remote recording sort of stuff kind of blossoming. And that's something that I love doing anyway. Yeah. So that's been kind of fun to do some of that. And studios can still be a big enough studio that has good airflow and all that. And people yeah. are in masks. That can all be safe. So recording is still alive and well. So you've still, have you still been active throughout lockdown? Yeah. In the yeah. studio? Yeah. And I have a little uh, space that I can do remote recording in. So that, that has been great too. Um, yeah, but fantastic. yeah, I've actually gotten into the studio a little bit too. That's amazing. So are you able to name some of the people that you've toured with and some of the people that you've been working with? Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, Love Angeles is a band that <clears throat> we were talking about um, that uh, we're just putting out a new album right now. We've got two new singles out and then the rest of the album will come out in a little bit. We've got one more single to drop before the album. Right. Um, so that's been a fun process. Love Angeles. Um, it's like a pop rock band. I've listened to the new song Unstoppable and it's absolutely amazing. It will certainly be plugging that in the show notes and if, if we're allowed, we can even put a clip into this podcast as well because it's a fantastic song. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, oh, that'd welcome. be awesome. Um, so that's been a fun band. I play with a lot of singer-songwriters, uh, Lindsay White, Chris Avetta, uh, Mary Hamer, Elizabeth Yandel. Um, they're all kind of across the map with style. Um, yeah. Lindsay White I've toured with, and she's a phenomenal, one of the best songwriters I've ever had the privilege of hearing, wow. let alone knowing. Yeah, she's yeah. an incredible songwriter, like award-winning. Wow. Um, so it's really fun. And she's such a good friend too, and has like a a huge heart for fighting for people that that uh haven't been paid attention to so she's yeah. she started a artist collective here in san diego to try and help with women's equality in the music industry that's still a huge issue is, is it really it is there's like all sorts of statistics about it but even looking at festivals alone 19 percent of acts booked for a festival have a woman in a prominent position so, I mean, that's like tiny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and that's a, a woman in the band, you know? Yeah. Um, female fronted can be even lower. And then um, in terms of female backing musicians, it's still such a weird world. There's so much, I mean, it is, yeah, it's definitely not very equal. But there are populations that are even more marginalized than that. So a lot of queer performers are much more marginalized too. Yeah. Um, so Lindsay has a huge heart for trying to rectify those things and be part of the fight to change that. Oh, that's amazing. So she's doing amazing things. Um, Chris Avetta is a lovely, fantastic, her, I think uh, her genre that she says is forest pop. So it's like kind of forest pop. Yeah, it's kind of folky, but very pop, uh, pop inspired. Um, okay. Beautiful, beautiful music, incredible angelic voice. So getting to play with her is fun. Uh, Elizabeth Yandel is like neo soul, super talented guitar player, like just the smoothest. And her voice is insane. Wow. So getting to play and record with all of those folks has been really fun. I play in some bands. Uh, Golden Howl is like a folk folk band, big big band. There are six of us in the band. Wow. Um, and getting that's my first time really getting to play with a hand percussionist. 
and to like figure out what that looks like to interface with a hand percussionist yeah. and not step on each other's toes and, and, you know, do, do fun things together that make things more beautiful than I'm just trying to stay out of each other's way. Yeah. It just sounds like you're constantly learning. The process is just a constant learning curve for you. Yeah, it's great. And I have been, I, I have to say like every band I've ever played with and every artist I've ever played with, I've chosen um, because there was something about them that scared me and I wanted to, I wanted to know more, you know, wow. and playing every single time I was scared to reach out and scared to say, Hey, is there any way we could jam together? Yeah. And more, more lately, it's been like word of mouth and getting connected with other people yeah. through, through the people I already do play with or at a show or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been scary and I've been, I've felt uh, like I'm not quite ready for it. And then I get ready for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get to play funk and blues with a band called Dragon Tree. And that's like uh, phenomenal musicians. That's one of the most terrifying bands I've ever joined. Because oh, really? They're so good. They're right. all so good. Um, the band's fronted by Rhythm Turner. And Rhythm is a multi-instrumentalist that I first met when she was playing drums in her own band, um, okay. a previous band. And so I knew her as a drummer. And her voice is insane. It's a, an, an incredible, soulful, expressive voice. So yeah. I, I knew her from that point of view. And then I've shared a gig with her that she was playing drums for someone else. And I was playing drums for someone. And she was like, hey, I'm looking for someone to play drums in a new project I'm doing. Um, I'm going to play guitar and sing. Would you want to do that? And I was like, yes. Yeah, so like anytime I get the opportunity to, to play with musicians that are way better than me that's something that i definitely take and try and live up to I, I love the fact that you see something that you like you may feel a bit or, or somebody who you think is better than yourself and you just go i need to work with them it, yeah. it's, it's similar to the tall poppy syndrome isn't it where you go and put yourself with people who you think are better than you to bring you up to their level and, and, and that's yeah. just, it's just amazing that you're so driven and so focused that you want to do these things and through it you've been able to work with some amazing people Oh yeah, I feel very lucky that anyone has ever said yes. But um, and it, and it has been fun. I have some friends too that I've played with for years that have improved and improved and improved and are just as driven, if not more, yeah. to improve. And so it's been really fun to to not only play with new artists that are more talented than me, but to come to a practice and see that someone that I've been playing with for a long time is now better than me, and I got to step up. You know, like yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think that? Because you keep saying that artists that are better than you, do you think that mentality of maybe, and, and it's is only my opinion, but maybe he's not believing you're as good as somebody else is one of your successes because it drives you to push harder. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard just for me to just say. when I'm listening to you because you've said it quite a few times. You've you've said someone's better than me, someone's better than me, and it's almost I don't know. It's uh, not not a. I don't know what I'm trying to think of how to how to describe it. It's not that you don't believe in yourself. You just seem to think a lot of people seem to be better than you. And it, it seems to be a driving force behind. Yeah. Behind I, I think there's two ways to go. And I flip flop back and forth too. This is a, such an interesting time to be a musician and to be um, working on improving because you can, I can hop on Instagram right now and see a video that some of the best musicians on earth have posted just now you know and i can i can even message them and maybe yeah, have course. a conversation with them the access to 
seeing people who are at the at the world's the world's best musicians is yes. unparalleled and i can do that right now uh, on command you know yeah. and and I think there's two ways to go with that. And I sometimes, uh, it depends on the day for me. Some days I'm like, oh, that's cool. I could do that. I, I could learn how to be that good. Yeah, of course. And it pushes me. <clears throat> and then some days I'm like, well, that's it. I quit drumming. There's a 12-year-old that's <laughs> throwing fire. <laughs> and um, I think it, it goes the same way for other musicians in the bands that I'm playing with. Some days I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. I, I could improve. And then some days I'm, I get down on myself and I'm like, I'm terrible. And I definitely need to quit this band before I embarrass everyone. But I, I think ultimately I land on believing in my ability to improve. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I have low confidence in terms of what I believe I could do. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much confidence plays into it yeah anyway. I, I, I don't know if it came across as low confidence it was just i just like the mindset that you kind of look at other people and go I, I think they're better than me so i need to work to that level and improve sure. and i so it wasn't yeah it wasn't so, so much the low confidence it was just more you, you just think other people are better than you and you want to work to yeah. that standard and get that yeah so i i, I don't know it was, I, it was just, I just found it really interesting when you were talking about it yeah, wh whatever gets me in the practice room is it works for me. <laughs> I mean, it looks like you've been having fun. I've seen the the little the little bit you've been doing with the guy from Los Angeles. Yeah, Merg. Yeah, yeah. And you just yep. sent him a bit of drumming, and he just yeah. put some some guitar over the top of that as well. And that was really cool. And that was towards the beginning of the shutdown when people, you know, like everyone's being very cautious and not yeah. getting together in any way. Um, so all, remote collaboration like that, I, I have done a bunch of that with other folks. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff to post, but, um, but yeah, that stuff was super fun at the beginning of shutdown. And now people are being cautious. I'm doing some like outdoor rehearsals with plenty of space and masks and all yeah. that stuff to try and navigate. This is going to be a long road, you know, hundred percent. I totally agree. And it's, it's so just trying to find the right Exactly. Yeah, the the right mix, isn't it, where we can do things safely and try and get back to some sort of new norm. Yeah, exactly. Figuring out, I can't go, I can't go a year and a half without playing music with anyone else, you yeah, know. So figuring out the ways that we can possibly do that with, you know, the utmost safety. Of that's it's just got to happen. So it's been interesting to try and work work through that. What what genre of music? Because we we talked a little bit earlier. And I, Love Angeli seems to be a band that you're constantly in now, and that's it's your it's your part of that band. What genre of music are you happiest playing in? Oh, um, hmm. I would struggle with this because I think I'm happy when I get to do lots of different things. Yeah, okay. No, no <laughs> if, that's a good answer. If I had to pick something, it would be a band that covers a lot of a lot of genres. You know, I think the one of the things I do like about Love Angeles is like. They cover pop and rock. It's definitely like a pop. I could I could describe them as a pop rock yeah, band. Yeah, um, But there's also elements of country music, and there is a lot of freedom in the part writing. So David is the lead singer, and he writes the song structure for a lot of things. But he's very open handed about it, and we'll bring in a new song, and we'll recommend new chord progressions. I write parts for it, and he's like, "Yeah, great. Like what you're doing there. Like he's he's." is not very particular about his vision being executed the way he saw it. Yeah. He trusts the other people. 
well, that's really that's a nice position to be in as well with the band member or band members who are, are comfortable letting other people have input and it's not just solely you know this is mine and you have to do it my way it's wonderful yeah, it's, yeah. i can imagine that's an easy relationship to manage and, and it's probably a, it's a nice one to work in as well it is yeah and i think it for him he's like well i'm not a drummer i don't i wouldn't think of the things that you would think of so you should do that oh that's amazing that's, yeah, so I have the freedom to kind of bring other elements from other genres in when I'm writing parts. So that's that's awesome. And a band like that where I, I can integrate some of the other things that I know from playing other styles yeah. is really fun. Um, really but cool. yeah, I love, I love the variety. I bet you do. So what are your aspirations within music for the, for the near future and foreseeable future? Yeah, I... For the near future, my biggest goal is to build my network for remote recording. Um, so remote tracking, I don't know how, how much people know about this outside the music industry, but remote tracking is kind of the way of the future. Um, there's a vision, and this still exists, like big recording studios where everyone goes and you hang out for a yeah. week or two and you come up with an album and um, do all of the stuff and you're staying up all night and there's drugs that like that whole vision of how albums are made still happens in some places and yeah. i would say the big music cities london is a big music city but also here in the states la and nashville yeah. um decreasingly so anywhere else so really okay. centered in la and nashville there are great studios here in san diego but i think that model for creating music has slid just a little bit out of popularity and there's a lot of remote recording where um some people have heard of the band the postal service they kind of pioneered this where they um ben gabbard the singer for death cab for cutie and he came up with some songs and sent them to a friend who wrote parts over them and it was via the postal service which is why the band right okay like sending literally sending a usb drive back and forth wow um, to complete writing songs when they were completely separate from each other. And that was years and years ago, probably 15 years ago at this point. And nice. that model for recording has exploded in popularity now. So yeah, I can imagine. You know, Billie Eilish, you know, writes and records a lot of stuff in her bedroom and then sends it to a producer who adds things and, you know, polishes, polishes it up. That's, that's, it's a, model that works at the very highest level of music in a lot of ways yeah. you might you know you might want to come in and record vocals on a beautiful microphone in a studio or whatever but a lot of people are doing in entirely remote albums that way and there are drummers that have many drummers that have full careers of exclusively remote tracking so they wow. work from home and they record on living the dream yeah massive uh singles that you have heard their names there's a drummer uh, named aaron sterling who lives in the la area and he is one of my favorite drummers he's an incredible musician with just an, an a monstrous feel that seems like it's from a different planet he's just everything he does sounds and feels good right and he for uh john mayer he's played on taylor swift stuff wow. sarah Bareilles, um lana del rey like all these incredible huge pop acts and uh, Celine Dion, he just recorded on some of Celine Dion stuff, like the, wow. one, the, the biggest artist in the world. And he does that a lot from his house. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? 
Yeah, you do, didn't. Do you think though? Well, although that's amazing that he's he's getting to do all these things from home and he's getting to work with some amazing artists. Do you feel that that may also spoil the that element as well because he's not getting to meet these people in person? For him, I think it works, and that he doesn't want to go tour. He doesn't want he he wants no, I, to stay. Yeah, no, I, I get that, and I think there's there's probably pros and cons to both. I, I imagine working from home and being able to do your thing for all these amazing artists is just a fantastic thing to be able to do. But I just wondered what your opinion would be with that if you you work with all these amazing people, but maybe you didn't get to meet them as well. Yeah, I think I would love it to be a mix for me. Yeah. I would love the process of getting to um, come up with drum parts for a song that suits the song perfectly. That's like one of my favorite things about drumming because it's getting, it's listening. It's like, it's very listening based and you're trying to figure out what the song actually needs to, to be its best version. Um, And it's, it's creativity and it's using your skills that you've worked really hard to develop in interesting ways. And yeah, it's it's like, that's such a beautiful part. So getting to do that on a day-to-day basis and doing that remote remotely. So I have all the time to think about it yeah. and do it the way I want to do it would be really, really fun to do that as a bigger portion of what I do. But yeah, I also would love to tour and go to big, big studios. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of all of it. I would love to do a mix of it. And I think going on, you asked kind of what my long-term vision is. I would love to do a mix of big touring, uh, smaller, kind of more local touring, a lot of recording, remote recording, um, in-person recording in studios is fun. There's some amazing studios in San Diego that I've gotten to record in. And um, yeah, I I would love to do all of it, but a, a mix. And I think I do have aspirations to go you know, international touring, who doesn't want to do that? That's amazing. Yeah, I, definitely. I would, love, would love to try bigger scale touring and I haven't had the chance to do that, but I'm I'm excited for that opportunity. I think it'll come. Yeah, oh, certainly. I, I definitely think it will as well. Um, Just from your drive and determination to, to what you do now, I, I think it's no doubt. I think it's no doubt that you'll, um, you'll, you'll be doing international tours very soon, hopefully. Ah, thanks. I must admit, I went to see 21 pilots last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Joshua Dunn is an incredible player with a lot of energy. <laughs> I've never seen, I've seen people go crowd surfing and obviously the lead vocalist, he stood in the crowd, sings a song. And then Josh Dunn just put a full drum kit in the crowd and played a full song on top of the audience. Isn't I've never wild? seen anything like that. <laughs> just like, wow. I, I don't, yeah, it was just one of the best gigs I've ever been to. I loved the whole concert. It was amazing. Yeah, they bring a lot to the show for being two dudes, you know? Yeah, a, a <laughs> massive amount. I mean, super talented as well. Yeah, they but are just, very So basically, Jules, what I'm saying is when you get to a big gig, I want to see you on top of an audience playing the drums. Okay, I'm going to have to develop some trust in people I don't know to let them hold me up while I play drums. But yes. I'll I'm sure on. your talent will speak for itself and they'll just do it. They'll just <laughs> do that. But definitely, you heard it here, guys. Jules Stewart, next audience she's in, she's going to put a drum kit in the middle. (laughs) You guys have got to hold her up, and she's going to play. Just feel free to pick up a piece of the drum set and start holding it, and then it'll force me out there. I love that. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Is there any regrets that you've you've had in your career so far, or anything you wish you maybe done a little bit different? Um, 
Um, well, I look around at people that are starting their careers much younger um, because I am just over 30 now and a lot of people are starting, you know, the, the process that I'm in where it's just growing and playing with different artists and starting a tour and record and build connections and all that. A lot of people are starting that at 17, 18, 19 years old. And obviously that's a leg up. Like that's a, that, that would have been great to start sooner, but I, I honestly don't have any regrets. I think I love my life and I love the place I've gotten to. And I, I'm a little bit um, butterfly effect-ish about it where I'm, I'm not sure I could be where I am in drumming without all the other things I've put my focus towards. So it's kind of hard to separate that's fantastic what piece of advice would you give to to a younger person or, or someone else with similar aspirations to yourself what, what what piece of advice would you give to them hmm i think um the the principle that i kind of live by in general but it, that drives my pursuits in drumming is to just do the next right thing. And it can get really overwhelming. Careers in the creative arts, I think um, you can be really talented. I know a lot of really incredibly talented musicians that for whatever reason, haven't gotten a ton of commercial success or, you know, it's one of those things that every show someone will come up and be like, I can't, you're going to make it big. I just know it. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. Um, So it can get a little overwhelming. It it can feel like you're at the mercy of luck and right time, right place sort of thing and getting discovered and all these things that are like, you know, we all talk about that stuff. But um, I think what keeps me sane is just looking at what I can do next that I think is the right thing to do and will move me in the direction I want to move and not thinking too, too much about it. Otherwise I would love to tour internationally. I couldn't tell you the steps that it will take to get there because I don't think they're all in my control. I think some of them are. And I, all I can do is what I know is right, you know, and next right step. So I think finding your guiding principle that can keep you sane, that, that works for me doing the next right thing. Um, whatever it is that keeps you sane and keeps your mind on track, I can still have goals and look at them and, and reassess what I'm doing to get there. But in the, in the end, I really do have to enjoy the process and doing the next right thing has always been enjoyable for me. You know, it's always been brought me to a place where I'm even happier to be doing what I'm doing. Um, so it's a, yeah, finding whatever whatever works for you that helps you enjoy the process without being miserable about what you haven't achieved yet, or you know, oh, being really good unhappy piece of advice. about the influence of luck. It just isn't. It's not productive, you know. No, it's fantastic and great piece of advice for everyone that's listening and who aspires to do professional drumming or, or work in creative arts. It's it's amazing. Jules, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on Hobby of the Lifestyle today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you now thoroughly enjoyed learning about your journey oh, thanks so much for having me on you're a wonderful person to chat with oh, it's very fun oh thank you so much
just keep digging deep sweat blood is what you'll need so who do you want to be for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Hope you've enjoyed the show and we'll see you soon. Stay safe.